0: Our scripture readings this morning, they will be, the first will be from the Old Testament. It is a responsive reading where you will read that which is in bold, and I will read the light print. And then the gospel reading comes from the gospel according to John, chapter 4, starting in verse 27 through verse 42. Hear the word of the Lord. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy, buy, buy without money, without Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy?
1: Listen to me, and eat what is good, and yourselves in which good.
0: Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Seek the Lord while he may die. Call upon him while he is here. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now, according to the gospel of John chapter 4, verses 27 through 42, hear the word of the Lord. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet 4 months then come the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the
2: world. This is the word of the Lord. If you're visiting with us this morning, welcome. We're glad you're here. We're in a study on the Lord's Day morning, have been in a study for some months now in the Gospel according to John. We're obviously in the fourth chapter. We've been in the fourth chapter now for this is, I was away last week, but for two weeks previous to that, we had been in the fourth chapter of John, and we're returning to the fourth chapter this morning to complete a message that was started two weeks ago. It will be necessary to sort of shift back into the gear where we were, and I'll just take a brief moment at the beginning of the message to jog your memory. I'm sure many of you could stand up and tell me exactly what I said that day. But uh, for the rest of the folks, uh, maybe those from old Miss uh, that need <laughs> help, we'll, we'll, we'll review, uh, we'll have a brief review. Before we do, Let's go to the Father and ask Him to teach us. Let's pray. Father, at this solemn moment, as we open Your Word, we pray and ask You that You would teach us. John Sartell cannot preach or teach so that it will make any difference. So that we'll be changed in the very core of our being. Even though our hearts have been changed. Our Father, unless you speak in the power of your spirit, we cannot grow in Christ. So Father, we've sung the hymns. you. We've prayed to you. We've confessed our sins before you. And now we come to hear you speak to us. Oh, Father, open our ears to hear. Open our eyes to see. Maybe some of us for the first time. For the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen. Jesus, how do I tell someone about you? Two of the longest conversations between Jesus and an individual are recorded in the Gospels, that are recorded in the Gospels. Two of the longest are recorded in John 3 and 4. Jesus spoke at length to a man named Nicodemus and then spoke at length to an unnamed woman at the well of Jacob outside of Sychar. What was Jesus talking about in John chapter 3 as he spoke in that conversation to Nicodemus? What was the subject? It was salvation. Think of all the subjects it could have been. It could have been the occupation of Israel by Rome, by a foreign power. It could have been about the corruption in the government or the oppression. But no, that conversation was about salvation. The salvation of Nicodemus. What did he say? Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to be changed from the inside out. Likewise in John 4. What was Jesus talking about to the woman at the well? He could have been speaking spoken about the great division between the Jews and the Samaritans. No. The subject was salvation. Lady. You need the living water of the Messiah. That's what you need. In both of those conversations, back to back, we see Jesus, the evangelist. Jesus, the evangelist, telling Nicodemus and the woman about himself. What was his major concern? Jesus addressed Hanun, The individual need of eternal salvation. Sometimes we as Christians seem to teach that following Christ is simply a wise, very wise way to live. And it is. It is a wise way to live. But do we really tell our children Is this the gospel? We tell our children, hey, follow the precepts of Jesus. It's a wise way to live. When we want to engage culture, do we say, hey, follow Christ. It's the right way to live. People, that is not the gospel. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is the gospel. And that's the gospel we are commanded to communicate. I can study the many precepts of Scripture. I can align myself with those precepts. But that does not save me. Nicodemus aligned his life with what he thought the Bible was teaching. And what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? You need to be born again, Nicodemus. What did he say to the woman at the well? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you the living water. Look at that. It's there in verse 10. He would have given you the living water. That's what I have to give. It is salvation. Now, The disciples, as we saw this morning, had not been there to hear this conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. They had gone into Sychar to buy groceries. When they returned, the woman took their interruption as an opportunity to run into Sychar and tell the people the Messiah of Israel was just outside of town at the well of Jacob. But look what Jesus did. Jesus used the occasion to talk to his disciples about how they were to communicate the gospel. How they were to tell the world around them about Jesus. And thus as we study this passage and look at this passage, that's what it does for us this morning at Christ's covenant. Jesus is saying in this passage, and we see in these two passages in John 3 and 4, how we are to communicate the gospel to the world around us. That's what he had just done with the woman. That's what he had done with Nicodemus. And now he would explain his method to his disciples. This morning, from what we see in this passage and what Jesus tells us, we make this thing of being a witness for Christ Far more complicated than it really is. For instance, here's a woman to whom Jesus had just revealed himself. What does she do? What's she doing while Jesus is talking to the disciples? She's running into town to tell her neighbors and anyone else she can find that the Messiah is at the well. She had not been to a class on evangelism. She was not a reformed theologian. Maybe the best definition of evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar simply where he found bread. Two weeks ago, we began to look at six truths this passage tells us. Six truths about communicating the gospel. Here's how you tell people. This is is what Jesus is saying. Here's how you tell people about me. We covered the first three. The first one, Jesus had a divine appointment with this woman. He didn't stumble into her by accident. She didn't stumble into him by accident. We read in the passage the words, Jesus had to go by way of Samaria. Well, geographically, he did not have to go that way. Jesus had an appointment to keep. That's why I had to go there. And that same Jesus we saw in that message two weeks ago makes appointments for us. He brings people into our lives by appointment. And he takes. He takes. Others into our lives and us into others. It's by appointment. And he still still makes appointments. Secondly, Jesus says, Disciples, you must reveal me as I am. Not whom you or the world want me to be. You can't mold me into being what you want me to be. You have to tell the world who I am. Not who the world wants me to be. Jesus plainly told the woman. He didn't shy away from it. He said, I am the Messiah. He said to Nicodemus, whoever believes in me shall be saved. Thirdly, he said, you can speak of me in your everyday world. Jesus was not in the temple when he told this person. About it when the old Nicodemus about himself. He was not in the synagogue when he spoke to the woman. He was at in John four. He's at the town well, very public place. People went there daily. That's where he spoke to her about the gospel. Fourthly, we see now that Jesus said, "You can speak of me." To every type of person. Look at verse 9 of John 4. The Samaritan woman said to him. How is it that you a Jew ask for a drink from me a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now skip down to verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said Why are you doing that? What do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? Even the woman, look at the scripture. Even the woman was taken back. That Jesus would engage her in a conversation. Because he was a Jew. And she was a Samaritan. The disciples were taken back for the same reason. And also because in rabbinic tradition, rabbis usually did not converse publicly with women. Now, stop and think about that for a minute. In the long history of the church, we've let such divisions, racial divisions, economic divisions, social divisions, keep us from communicating the gospel in some situations. People, those kind of prejudices, those kind of biases come from the world. And the world gets those false divisions from evil, from Satan. Just apply this to where we are today. We don't, as Christians, we don't look at the world. We don't look at other people racially we don't look at other people socially. We don't look at other people economically. That's what's wrong with the critical race theory that is dominating secular thought today. It says look at the world around you simply through race or look at the world around you simply through economics or look at the world around you simply through social relationships. No. What do we read in Scripture? What is the Christian view? It does not matter if someone is black or white or yellow or red. It doesn't matter about their race. The Bible doesn't talk about it. God settled that issue in Genesis 1. Everyone you will meet today, everyone you will meet tomorrow, everyone you will meet this week, Everyone, wherever you go in the world, will be made in God's image. Therefore, they are of great value. Further, Jesus said we're to love those people around us, not because they're black, white, red, or yellow, but because they're our neighbors. We're to love them as ourselves. And then some are going to be our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not about race. It's not about economics. It's not about whether somebody belongs to the country club or they don't belong to the country club. Well, next they may be our enemies. And we don't want to off there because Jesus said, love your enemies. I was meeting a friend of mine for lunch, we were meeting at his office in a downtown building that he personally owned, bank building in this particular city. He said, John, when you get here, pull into the garage and ask the attendant there where you should park. I did that. And as I walked from my car back past the attendant, I said, I stopped. And I said, hey, do you know my friend, Mr. So-and-so? He said, oh, do I know him? He said, he laughed. He said, I not only work for him, he's my friend. And he's been my friend for years. He said, when my wife was in the hospital, he came to see her. He knows my children by name. He remembers their birthdays. I was not surprised. This gentleman had been a model for me. I was his minister, but he had been a model for me. He came from a very prominent family in that city. Extremely wealthy. But in all the years of being around him, I never saw him look down his nose at anyone. I never saw him or heard him make any kind of of racial statement never saw him judge a man because he was poor or because he was wealthy you know where he learned that and he would tell you this he learned it from Jesus that's exactly what Jesus was doing with the disciples here He was being salt and light to a gentleman from another race, from a different, completely different economic level, a completely different social level. It didn't matter. Who were the first two people Jesus had an extended conversation with in John's gospel? Nicodemus. Think about who he was. A Pharisee, a paragon of outward piety, a member of the Sanhedrin, Very wealthy. Who was the second person to whom he spoke with in those opening chapters? A Samaritan woman. Do you realize Nicodemus would not have spoken to her? Nicodemus would have considered her unclean. Nicodemus would have never asked her for a drink at the well. I think John was blown away by this. John was giving the disciples a lesson. These same men to whom he spoke there outside of Sychar, these same men, they would engage in conversation over the next few decades. They would engage with the world around them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, about the person of Christ. They would engage Roman soldiers, Roman leaders, Gentiles, Samaritans, Jewish Sadducees, Jewish Pharisees, Lepers who were outcasts, the rich, the poor. We to look at them through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of grace. It's not about race people. It's not about wealth. It's not about social class. Jesus had a divine appointment with this woman. Jesus says, disciples, you must reveal me as I am, not whom you or the world wants me to be. You can speak to me in your everyday world, even at the, where you draw water at the well. And you can speak of me to every type of person. Fifthly, he says, you can speak of me in any season. I love this scene. It has two actions happening simultaneously. The woman leaves after the disciples abruptly return. She goes into the city with her astonishing news. The Messiah is at the well. Look at verse 30. They went out of the town and were coming to him. They wasted no time. You see, usually people just stopped at the well to get a drink. They didn't come in a sidecar. They didn't want to spend any more time in Samaria than they had to. We've got, if the Messiah's out there, we've got to get there before he leaves. Meanwhile, the disciples are urging Jesus to eat the food they brought from the city. They were saying, Jesus, you've got to eat. Jesus probably with laughter happily said, I have food to eat and you don't know about it. Remember, even this passage had said that he had been thirsty, hungry, tired from the journey. But this, this encounter with the woman had energized him. This is why he came. To save the lost. To redeem those. in slavery is sin. We sang this morning. There is a Redeemer. We can sing that because He did come. The Son of God came, the Son of Man. And He came to save the lost. And then He says, probably again happily, probably laughing, Don't tell me there are yet four months to the harvest. Now, this was an agrarian community. Planted fields were all around them. But he was looking at the people coming out from Samaria. They had already started coming. And he said, lift up your eyes and see the fields. See those people? The fields are white to the harvest. It's harvest time, disciples. Disciples, they were just passing through. And this was Samaria after all. How could a Samaritan become a Christian? How could they become followers of Christ? They had not anticipated people would come believing the Messiah of Israel in Samaria of all places. Remember the words of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 15. It's on your scripture sheet. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared. Look at this. Oh, how does this speak to us? How does this speak to you? As we go out into this week, always be prepared. To make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Wow. So what lessons? The first five that Jesus gave us. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. Jesus had a divine appointment with this woman. We'll have divine appointments that he designs for us. Jesus says, disciples, you must reveal me as I am. Not whom you or the world wants me to be. You can speak to me in your everyday world. You can speak to me to every type of person. You can speak to me, you can speak of me in any season. And finally, when you speak of me, you may be planting, you may be watering, or you may be reaping. Look at verses 37 and 38. For here, for here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Folks, if you don't walk out with anything else this morning, walk out with this. I wish I had known this years earlier in my life. I wish I would known this as a teenager. You see, I viewed, sometimes I would be, when I was in college, I would be hitchhiking. And uh, it was just a great time. I really enjoyed those rides. But as a Christian, when I got in someone's car, I was faced with, how can I tell this person about Christ? How can I tell this person about Christ? And I wanted to sow, I wanted to water, and I wanted to reap all at the same time. I wanted that guy or that lady to be a Christian when I got out of that car. It's arrogance. After encountering and studying these verses, I came to understand, as I told someone about Jesus, sometimes I might be sowing. Sometimes I might be watering. Sometimes I might be reaping. But very, very, very seldom does it all take place at one time. Remember, I told you about the man two weeks ago on the plane with me coming from Philadelphia uh, to Memphis? And he latched onto me when he asked what I did, and I told him I was a minister. And this man was not a Christian, his child was dying in a hospital in Philadelphia newborn, first child. When he returned, he was just a 24-hour trip. He hadn't been out of the hospital in two or three weeks, four weeks. But he had to go. His survival of his business was at stake. I talked to him. We talked about the sovereignty of God. He wanted to know what God said about this. He wanted to know what the Bible said about it. I watched him walk away. He did not make a profession of faith. But there were seeds that were sown. And as he walked away, I was thinking, I'd like to know the rest of that story. Maybe someday I will. Folks, we need to understand that. That's what Jesus is saying here. Sometimes he'll call us just to sow a seed. So, you know, when you're salt and light, and we talked about this at the end of the message last two weeks ago, sometimes he'll be using you to sow seed or to water, and you don't even know it. We'll come back to that in a minute. When I was quite young, I think I've told you this before, I was with my father on some sort of trip. I still don't know where we were going. I think we were going to Northern Virginia, and it was just the two of us. He picked up a young man who was hitchhiking. The conversation ensued. This man was college age. I think he had been in the military. He was from Alabama. And he was leaving home to go out on his own. My dad. Began to speak to him. Asking him about his faith. He admitted he was not a Christian. Dad spoke to him about his need of Jesus and why he needed Jesus. Eventually, we pulled to the side of the road. And that young man prayed with Dad. Prayed to receive Christ. And then this happened. He said, sir, I'm going to get out here. He said, I need to go back home to Alabama. Got out and he walked across Lee Highway. Stuck out his thumb, going home. Several weeks later, dad got a letter from that young man's parents. Thanking dad for he took time to speak to their son they had taken him to church from infancy he had always been rebellious rejecting their efforts they had sown the seed the church had sown the seed friends had watered but in the providence of God as this young man fled north in Virginia a Christian stopped to give him a ride. He couldn't get away. Do you understand? He couldn't get away. That brief ride changed everything. The parents had sown seed. Many others had watered. In that day, my dad reaped. He reaped that which he had not sown he reaped that which he had not water that's what we're called to do that's what we're called to do so in closing let me sum this up you got those six points but this is closing college students have come to me over the years said I'm going to college John and How am I going to be a witness? I'm scared to death. I'm going to be in this sorority. I'm going to be in this fraternity. How am I going to do that and tell people about Christ? And I said I would tell them. Well, first, I said, don't. Don't tell people about Christ. Don't think of what you're going to say. Jesus in the gospel told his disciples, don't think about what you're going to say. You'll have the words. And these college students would not believe that Their minister was telling them this. I said, here's what you do. First, you find a church that's on fire. You find a preacher that's on fire. And you stay under that preaching. Don't go... Once a month, don't go twice a month. You go every Sunday. And when you come in Sunday morning and you hadn't, you're coming in from Saturday night and it's 6 o'clock in the morning and you're so sleepy and you're so tired and you've parted all night, take a shower, go to church. Secondly, you get as close to Christ as you can get. Inside that church, you find Christian friends And you get as close to Christ as you can get. Mark your Bibles. Thirdly, the person that's your roommate or the person that's in your sorority, the person that's in your fraternity that you want to know Christ, you pick out a person and say, I want this person to know Christ, and you begin to pray for that person. Don't stop Every time you see them, you pray for them. Pray that they would know Christ. Pray that you would be salt and light. And they would look at me like, then what? I said, you'll see. You'll see. Then what? Because you will be salt and light out there in the world. You can't do those things and not be salt and light. Monday, this last Monday, Terry and I came home from Sandestin. We had been on the beach every day. You know, when you come in from the beach, every, you know, you're from, if you're staying at a hotel or you're staying at a condo, whatever, there's always this place where you can run water on your feet or stand under a, a public shower and what are you get the sand off of you. Have you ever gone to, done that to your feet? Have you ever done that? and gotten back to your room without sand? <laughs> in 78 years, I've never gotten back to the room without sand. You can't. And this whole week, unpacking and putting down, there's just sand, there's sand in the suitcase, there's sand in your socks, there's sand in your shoes. It's just there, you can't help it. Let me tell you, when you get in that church And you stand, you stay around Jesus, and you stay around his word, and you pray, you're going to be soft and light. It's just going to fall off of you like sand from the beach. And God will use it. It's never you that save. It's always Christ. It's always his spirit. I pray for all of us that in the world in Memphis, that the members of Christ's Covenant Church will be that salt and that light, every single one of us, for the glory of Christ. Amen. Our hymn is most fitting. 335 Gracious Spirit well with me. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be inside of us and go with us and abide with us. And all of God's people said.